Before you are seated, though, I want to give you my passage today. I've never been this sick for church, just so you all know. But I wasn't going to miss nothing. If Nathan had to bring me on a cot, I would have come up here laying like this. Hey, guys, joy to the world. I'll do what I got to do because the Lord has made today. And I, wasn't, I would not miss Christmas. Let's go to Matthew real quick. We believe it's important to stand for God's word because we're reverent to who he is and he can't be separated from his word. When we read his word, we are expressing him to our hearts. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 11 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king? of the Jews, for we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him, no one else but him. It matters. You can worship a lot of things, but if it's not in Jesus, it's not the right thing, amen? When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him, they knew it was about to go down because they knew the Old Testament. They knew the prophecy. Verse 4 says, And when they had, he had gathered all the chief priests, priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, which we spoke of in week one, gives to glory. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel says God. Verse 7 says, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring him back word to me that I may come and worship him also. But he wasn't up to something good. He was up to something no good. His intention wasn't pure. Remember that? Pure intentions. Herod's intention was not pure. It says, when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the child was. They knew they had found their Messiah. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy to the world. Jesus, we found him because we're under the star. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down. Everybody say, fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts of frankincense, gold, and myrrh. They presented gifts when they recognized what to be joyful. They took their joy and gave gifts in the process. Today's subject is your gifts his glory, if we could just pray real quick. God, have your way in this house. Let me speak it right. Bring the anointing to this place, God, to remember what is, what is good in this word and let it receive into the hearts of many and that they can take this with them into their week and give it to the next person. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Some of y'all haven't been here for the four-week series. Excuse me. <coughs> Just for bonus there, you get some coughs in the, in the sermon. Some of you haven't been here for all four weeks, and if you've heard me before, I usually am loud and um, hyper. And this is, this is weird for me, Clint. I'm not used to being so melancholy. 
but it's a good thing once in a while. And we've had four weeks of this series called Gifts to Glory. And we started off with week one talking about God's intention means he has a plan for every one of you that before you were created, the plan existed. Just like the plan of the Messiah to come into the manger existed before it actually happened, so did Christ have a plan for you that existed before it has happened. And some of, some of you, it's happening right now. And some of you, it's going to happen maybe in 2020. And it's, it's, a, it's a multi-step plan. It's not a one and done. It's a multi-step progression. And when we got into week Two, we realize that in order to execute God's way, we have to do it God's way, and that's pure. And so we had to, we had to find a pure slate and, um, and clear our slate uh, with a pure pathway. And so, so that's, that's the, always the easy part, right? We get on fire for God. We come to a new church, and we, th- we think, wow, the music's awesome. And then we get some struggles in our week, and we're like, well, how do we continue this now that it's becoming hard? I mean, it's like a weight. It's like a weight sometimes, and that's the part I don't do well with, so it's easier just to go back to what I know. So week three said, that's where you trust beyond the turmoil, that you have to look above your wall. Remember, we talked about scaling. Well, last week, y'all weren't here because it snowed. There was like three of us, and we talked about, hopefully you watched it on YouTube, and we talked about scaling the wall because if you look how high the wall is sometimes, you'll feel defeated, and you'll want to run back down to the bottom. But if you keep scaling the wall and trust beyond the level of your turmoil, eventually you You will overcome it, but you have to keep climbing and surpassing what looks intimidating to you in your walk with God. So here we are, the culmination of all four weeks, the day we celebrate the Christmas, the day that Christ has finally come to fruition. In three days, we celebrate Jesus arriving, his plan. And what did they do? They came a long ways, but what did they do? They brought gifts. They brought gifts, like um, they brought him a 3DS, could you imagine? They brought him uh, a hoverboard that didn't blow up, and they brought him, <laughs> and they brought him uh, some RC cars that worked really good and didn't break when you crashed them on the first day after Christmas was over. And No, they brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They brought him gifts. And being sick in this Last week, I don't want to tell you I was sick because I afraid you wouldn't come to church. So I just wait till you get here and give you knuckles. No, I'm good. I'm good. I just don't sound good, but I'm, I feel great. Can't you tell? And so it's funny, though, when you're sick, your focus can come back. You feel blurry. But when you're in the chaos of all the things all the time, you can forget the bare essentials. And when you get sick enough, You know, Jesus came not to save that which was whole and not a physician. He came to seek and save that which was lost, that which is sick. And if you don't know you're sick, you can't be made whole. Did you know that you can actually be sick, get better, and then forget that you're sick again? You know it's not a one and done. You can be saved in Christ and fall off the wagon. It's a sanctification process, and so it's a good thing to be reminded. And so when, you're, when I was kind of down and out this week, and I was just like, I was being extra nice to my, my kids and patient because I had no energy to yell at them when they were bad. I was like, guys, please stop. Please stop doing that. <laughs> please, please stop, guys. It was, it was great. Michelle's like, man, can this be every week? <laughs> but there was a quiet time I got that I don't normally get. And my life is to be an example that I use to illustrate. But I pray that this can apply to your life because this is about all of us. And what it does is it brought me back 
to the message. It brought me back to the bare essentials about the sacred thing that this baby came and did for me beyond the trees, beyond the lights. I love them. I love them. Beyond the songs, beyond everything, Jesus gave me a gift that I could never buy, I could never repay. And so in your heart, you become overwhelmed and full of gladness and joy, and you burst with joy. It's not like I feel joyful. You burst. Don, you know what I'm saying. When you get full enough of that joy, you burst with joy. Because the power of God's spirit on your life can be so strong that you have no other option but to let it burst out of you. And you can numb that thing. And you can numb it all day long. God is not pulling your strings. But when you get down to the basics and in the dark and in the, in the low time of your week and you remember what Jesus did, you'll weep with gladness. You'll weep for joy. Why do those Christians cry all the time? I just don't. Because they're so full of joy, man. Just like when the Cardinals win the World Series, Jesus saved the world. He saved me from my sin. And he came in an innocent baby who didn't have to die, but he chose to die. And when you see the joy in that and that you didn't earn it, it'll make you joyful. It'll make you weep. The Holy Ghost makes you weep. The presence of God makes you weep. It's a good thing. So that's what that focus will do when you isolate from the noise and get close to where God's speaking and you can actually hear him. But we always hear about the gifts, you know. The wise men brought, last, a few weeks ago I messed this up. I actually forgot that they brought one of the items. It was bad. Shame on me. It says, we always hear about the gifts, though. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Who wants that anyways? But has it ever crossed your mind that those gifts represented more than the material acquisition of such fine possessions. I mean, do you think Jesus really needed those things at that moment? He's a baby. He needs a baba. He needs a diaper. Probably didn't have those. I don't know what, what they did. I don't want to know. I don't know what they did with that. Can you imagine? It was already a manger. Anyway. He was a newborn baby. So, I feel like God is saying that these gifts were to signify a greater cause. It's a gesture of the heart, a movement of faith in a way that only God could then position the gifts of man to be used in a way we could never imagine or dream. You see, God gave us a gift, so we're giving back a gift in, in, in giving thanks. It's a giving. We're giving thanks, joyful praise. It's an act of give, not take. So when you recognize the gift that's been given to you, you want to give something back to the gift giver. And God has equipped you all. Yes, even you. Touch your neighbor. Tell him, even you. God has equipped even you, man, with special gifts to give back to him. And my question to you this Christmas Eve service, or Christmas service, excuse me, is what gifts are you going to give Jesus this holiday Season. Taz, you got to love him. He's in the blood. Hey, Taz, what's up, bud? Oh, no, he's quiet. Go figure. He's like the frog, the dancing frog. What if your gift was the difference in someone changing the course of their future for all eternity? You know, the gift you don't think you have enough talent to give. You know, the gift you think you can't afford to give. Oh, snap, don't make me go there. Remember the two mites? 
Everybody's got something to give. And I'm not just talking about this. I'm talking about everything you have came from God. And if God is good and he puts something in you, there's something good that you can give. Even when you don't feel like it or think it's worth anything, God says neither was a manger to most people. But that's where I delivered my promise from the heavens. So it's not what you think. So your gifts matter. And what if your gift, your gift, Christine, this year was the personal difference in changing the course of someone else's future for all eternity? Your gift may be exactly what God wants to use to give your neighbor that you've been praying for that breakthrough. I'm just praying for God to give me a breakthrough. Lord, he is able. What does that mean? It means get up and go do something for someone. Bring them a meal. They're hungry. Give them a gift card. You can't cook? Okay. Give them some $2 McDonald's, whatever you got to do. You can do something within your capacity because God is the one who increases the difference. So you can do it. You can do it. They're waiting on a breakthrough. They're waiting on the church to be believable. Oh, snap. Should I go there? I'm going to have to go there. You see, this looks good, but if the church isn't actively being the body of Christ, it's just a show. It's mechanics. Let's do the worship cue. Uh, confidence monitor, 20 minutes in. Okay, time to wrap up the sermon. Oh, the lyrics aren't working. Hey, hey, repeat the chorus. Get the in-ears going. Hey, hey, MD talking to the band. Let's do this part again. All the mechanics are there. But if the anointing is gone and the message of Christ is gone and the church isn't out in the world doing his mission, then there is no church. You can clap for that. It's a good thing. Clapping's good. Helps me know you like me. Oh, you know, at least make me feel like it. It's all about patronizing here. We patronize you into this. Tell you how good you are. I'm full of sarcasm. It's the NyQuil. <laughs> oh, man. Don't even take that cough syrup. It's bad news. The, you know, the prescription kind. Anyway. But let me tell you, church, listen. Glory, we talk about glorifying God. How do we do that? It's presented through the gift. Yes. It's through giving. If you don't give, you're not glorifying anything. If you take, guess what you're glorifying? And I'm not against, I'm not against receiving gifts. No. He said we should not receive anything, and we should just sell everything we have to the poor, and we should walk to church, and we should wear robes. And do, no, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying if you don't give anything of yourself, the God says there is no glory without giving. So they gave gifts. This is not a tithing message. We're talking about giving of yourself and your talents. We're talking about everything you have. That's why we push serving. That's why we push all these things. That's why there's so many people here. We're so blessed by it. They, 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 during the week, they do stuff. They like buy a coffee for someone in the line at Starbucks. Or maybe they get a gift card for someone, and they go see someone sick in the hospital, and they're praying for people, and you don't even know. That's giving. Those are gifts. You're giving gifts to people, and it's glorifying God in the process. See, it's placed upon people. God's house is placed upon people. That's a nice church building. But the people are ugly. So the building is empty. You know how many empty churches out there? Millions of dollars in buildings sitting empty. You know why? Because the church is ugly. No, it's not the walls. I like, I like the marble and the, I'm really more of kind of a minimalist look. I don't really go for the fancy walls and stuff. But the structure looks good. But the heart's wrong. And so if the heart's wrong, you've got no church. And so the churches are empty. 
That's why. When the, when the heart is thriving and healthy and out in the world doing these things, it multiplies because it's of God. And what God plants, it grows. You with me? If you don't plant it in God's soil with God's seed, it's not going to grow. That's why we got to have big intentions and pure pathways. That's getting that soil right. Glory is presented through the gift. Tell your neighbor, tell them glory is presented through the gift. It's placed upon people. No people, no place. You can be part of the church, but not be following God. You know how many people we get say, wow, like, I didn't know Jesus would love me like that. I don't know anything about Jesus. I've been going to church my whole life. Okay, what? Yeah, like, I'm really good at church. I'm really good at going into the social thing and the coffee time and the thing and 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 the small groups and other things, but I don't know anything about Jesus. And your church said something about Jesus, and I, I don't know how to handle that. Oh, well, that's why we planted it, because we, we felt the same way. See, we want to give the scripture and be raw with the scripture and get back to the evangelistic message of God's word and get rid of all the semantics and all the politically correctness and go back to what matters and do what Jesus did when he walked this earth. I love being the underdog. I've always been a rebellious kid and so I like it when people are bothered in a good way like well I just don't know about what they did there and I just don't know about that and I just don't know what they you know what give a gift give a good gift instead of critiquing from the sidelines why don't you go out and give somebody a gift let's do something you'll feel better you'll quit hating us so much when you go do something good yourself you know it's really because we we actually want you to join the team so be a giver and so those people's hearts, they can change, but there's, it's easier to stay on the sideline, and they forget that the church is placed on people. God does things through people. God wrote the Bible through people. It's divinely inspired of God through men. Through men. Over 40 authors, 1,500 years of writing, prophets, scholars, fishermen, tax collectors, God gives the increase when we're willing. It takes people, though. And God desires those people to give gifts back to him because it's how we glorify him. He doesn't define his body by his geographical location. Which campus do you go to? Um, the wise man said, what, what are you talking about? I just walked from Asia. I walked from a continent. What campus do I belong to? By the way, we want campuses. Someday we'll have them. But I'm just saying, if you took it all away, we got to remember what this is and why we're here. And it's placed upon people. And it's your gifts that glorify him. Your gifts, his glory. And glory is presented through that act of giving out of your heart. See, when, when the wise men came, I mean, this is hard to imagine, but when the wise men came from all that way, they said they were exceedingly full of joy and worshipped him. They fell and worshipped him. You know what that did to onlookers? It made them go, hmm, maybe I should look into this. Maybe there's a reason they get so excited. Maybe I should. See, it draws people. It's like a magnet. That authentic, genuine love for Jesus is a magnet to people's hearts. 
And that's what builds a church. And that's what builds followers of Christ. Because they're so starving for that authentic love that only Jesus can bring. When they find it in a corrupt, upside-down world, they cling towards it. Like our window clings. If you want one, they're on the table. One seat church window clings. You can stick them on your window. Good advertisement. You like that plug? You'll cling to it like those clings on your window. Because they're starving for authenticity. And when those wise men showed up at the manger, and I'm sure, I'm sure the camel, the camel saw them, the camel's just eating his grass, he's like, whoa. And he got excited. And the wise men worshiping, and the camel, even the camel was like, man, I gotta find out about this Jesus. Because it's contagious when you see it in action. When you see it in action and it's placed upon people, the edification of Jesus is contagious and it will draw others to him. People think it's passion. It's faithfulness. Passion comes and goes. It's connected to feelings. But faithfulness operates regardless. It takes action, even when you don't feel nothing. Even when you feel really good, even when you feel really bad. Faithfulness shows up time after time and continues to do what is right when no one is looking. And that's what they did. They came in the worst of circumstance. So my question is, what are we willing to bring to God to glorify him? We could have turned away because it was a manger. They could have. But they knew not to judge God's delivery based on how it looked. They knew that maybe the season you're in right now doesn't feel like it's just enough. It's not enough to really commit all in to God. It's not enough. I expected more. This is just not quite how I want it. But God said it wasn't enough for them either, and it's not about what you think is enough. It's about what I provide, and if I provided it, it is sufficient. And it's always how I'm not planted either. I planted in a manger like you wouldn't think. In Judah, in Bethlehem, the smallest of all of Judah. Don't miss God's delivery this morning because of false expectations on how it looks. Don't judge by how it looks. Did Jesus look like a king come to conquer the world when he was in that manger? Don't judge by how it looks. Did Jesus look like the lion inside the lamb hanging on the cross when he wouldn't come down and they said, get down off the cross if you're really king of the Jews? Don't judge by how it looks. We know that God had the the last laugh in the end because he was faithful even to the cross and he bled from his brow and he was faithful. See, this star they followed was different. It led over Jesus. So there was star power. You've heard of like celebrities. They have star power. No matter what they do, it draws press, right? Good press, bad press. There's power in their prowess of celebrityness. But Jesus had star power. This star that they followed in itself was nothing, but because of what it led to, had star power. Because it answered years and years of prophetic waiting, fulfilled. There was star power over this manger. And Herod knew. See, Herod was smart. Herod was in charge. He knew that his kingdom was going to be threatened, okay? So he played nice, like, oh, I want to go worship Jesus too. And really, he said, no, I want to kill all the babies as soon as I find out that he's here. So we won't go into that passage, but the wise men were steered away. That's what led Christ and Joseph and Mary into Egypt. 
to stay clear of Herod. So Herod knew because of the scripture that this star led to the one that could threaten his kingdom. So my question is, what star are you following this morning? There's a lot of stars out there. We like them. We want to get a telescope, but I don't know, kind of cheap. And um, <laughs> I thought we could just look at them, right? And um, there's so many to follow out there. What star are you willing to follow? Because you can, you can be looking at one star, and all of a sudden you're like miraged into another. You know, that's what temptation does. That's what influence does. That's what thorny gardens do. They can sway your focus from the one that has the star power, from the one that's going to leave you over the seed of David that came to redeem the world. It can drift you right off course to the wrong star with the last name Kardashian or something. And that, that's what you don't want. Shout out to Kanye, though. I like his new, his new attitude and uh, music, by the way. But following Christ will bring an attention that draws that turmoil. You want to follow Jesus? Expect to be tested. Expect that turmoil we talked about last week. So when you feel the temptation to go the other way, that's a good thing. That means something's working. That's when you stick to your faithfulness. You stick. The devil does nothing more than to take away your value in God and your relationship. He loves nothing more than to flatten your relationship. And giving helps keep it, the heart pumping in the relationship. Keep the spark alive. It helps keep the spark alive because you're active in it. When you become dormant with God, you can drift and not even know it. That's why it's so important to stay active with our faith. And glory is presented through the gift. And when you start giving like this, like what I'm talking about, like you just are so nice. You just want to give all the time. You just want to help anybody that can be helped. People are going to start getting mad at you. And they're going to criticize you. If you endure persecution, God, if you're doing persecution, God is going to be someone's on his team. The father does not chase, and that's not the scripture I wanted. The scripture I wanted was mothers will turn against daughters and fathers against sons, aunts against nephews and nieces and all that. Because when you stir up the soil, there are people that are not going to oblige. Okay? So when that happens, rejoice if you endure persecution in that sense. Not because they're not happy, because the scripture is being fulfilled. So when you go to this level with your heart for God and you really make it an active thing every day, people are going to be bothered by it. It's because they they're really want what you have and they can have it. And the best thing you can do for them is to stay on that path and keep showing them that you're genuine about it, that you're not trying to gain from them. You're not trying to impress people online. You're not trying to do it when only everybody else is there. You'll do it when no one's there. You'll do it when it's just three people. You still pay the same bill because you have a heart for God. You'll do it no matter what. And so when people see that consistency, they will have a change of their own heart and follow because you showed them the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He who comes to me is the only way to the Father has come to me. When you see me, you've seen the Father. Guess what, church? We are to be the face because Christ ascended, and we take on the flesh that he gave. His new body, we become the face of Christ. If we don't look like Christ, we can send someone the other direction. So we want to show them Christ through our giving and our behavior, and they will see genuine Jesus through it. It's that easy. God is good, and he's got star power. 
I hate that people don't jump on the bandwagon when you get fired up for God and they don't. It's hard to deal with at first. And then you just realize as people, don't let it put out your flame. Don't let it put out your flame. Keep following that star. God is leading you to the promise under his star in Bethlehem. I will bring my best gift to God. Tell your neighbor, tell him, I will bring my best gift to God. Anybody ever used Uber? Yeah, one person? This, this room is so much more insulated. I have to like, you guys yell even louder and I think it's quiet because it's, it's so acoustically sound in here. But we went to New York and um, they got this thing called Uber and we've, we've done it in San Francisco and all these things. And, and um, you, just, you just put in the app and then you put in your credit card. I like to use PayPal because then I can just cancel that puppy anytime I want and they can't charge me again. Anyway, and um, so, so you put in the Uber and you say, go, bam, there they are three minutes later. Muhammad or whatever his name is. He's there in the black Nissan. Like, right there. Can you imagine? Are we hearing under the sea, people? <laughs> Devil, get out of here. I forgot it's a movie theater. It's kind of cold for that plane in the seawater. Anyway. <laughs> hey, Nate. Where's Nate? Will you go tell them? Can they, can they kill the, the, sea, the little mermaid or whatever? I mean, we've got another hour, people. See what the devil does? He tries to, he tries to step on your, your swag. He tries to kill your swag and the anointing. And it'll work if you let him. But we did the Uber. And once you do the Uber, it gets so convenient because you can just pop on that thing anytime you want. And no longer is cabs good enough. How dare I? Or walk two blocks. Michelle, we could pay $8 to get there in 30 seconds instead of walk the one minute. Let's pay $8. Let's, it is, it's, it's 47 degrees out. Let's, we got to walk an extra corner. It's going to take an extra 30 seconds. Let's pay the money. So you get addicted to the convenience. And when it becomes a manger and dirty, you don't want to let go of Uber and forget how it started. That's why getting sick is a good thing. Is it getting louder? Thank you, Regal. Someday we're going to laugh about this after a few emails. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're laughing, Dan. My motto is fake it till you make it, right, Nate? But imagine if these wise men complained. Imagine if they complained because you know how far they went on foot? They didn't complain because they knew how good the promise was. They knew how good the promise was. They went on foot, people. There was no Uber willing to drive However, a hundred miles, a few hundred miles it was. They went on foot, and they knew that the prize and the gift that had been given was so good that they wanted to do anything they could to give their gift back to the Messiah. So they came from Asia to Bethlehem. That's special. They ditched Uber. They did it on foot. I don't know if I'm that faithful daily. I don't know. On foot, you know, I don't know. That's, what the, that's the kind of faith God wants us to have, though. That's what he, he wants. He wants us to stop complaining about how not perfect it is. And he wants us to say, I'm all in. I love it. I love whatever it is, rain or shine. If Jesus sent it, then it's blessed. And if, I, if I'm here because of Christ, then I'm here for a good thing. And a blessing's coming. And a crown's coming. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. I've come to give it my best because God gave me his best. 
because we were chosen for more. You were chosen for more. You may not got that record deal when you thought that was your life, and you, and you may not have got that, got that NFL career like you thought it was supposed to be, or you didn't get that whatever you were seeking, and that dream didn't happen for you. But guess what? You can be glad this morning because you were chosen for more than that. You know something the world doesn't. You know something that has more value than the world doesn't recognize. You were chosen for more because you recognize the value in the gift that you've been given. And when you recognize that gift, now you know I was chosen for more. You were called to glorify God by letting him use your gifts and your talents. I'm so thankful that the people here of this church recognize that, which makes us have what we have. It's everybody's gifts and, and talents coming together that make the train move. And that's what's special. And that's the culture we're building here. And I know this is small compared to a lot of churches, but if you don't get it right when you're small, it won't stand when it's huge. You with me? We have a big vision. We have a big vision, but we really believe in the DNA being strong and pure and raw. And we know, church, that we were chosen for more. God wants to turn the devil on his head by you giving gifts in your capacity. Glory is presented through the gifts. Glory is presented through the gifts. I'm going to say it again so when you leave here, you remember this. Glory is presented through gifts. If you want, the best way to get is to give. It doesn't matter what you say, what you're producing, what you're seeking. The only way to receive in this life and really find joy is to give. It doesn't matter what you give as long as you give out of the abundance of your heart. That breeds relationships. It breeds opportunity. It breeds blessing because it's attributes from Jesus that you're exemplifying. If God can use a dirty manger, he can use our temple, even when it's jacked up sometimes. Our temple, that's like our body, you know. Our body is to be a living temple of the almighty God. If God can use a stank manger, come on, somebody. Come on. It looked like the deer I hit that time in my car when I was driving home late at night from Best Buy. And I hit that deer with my car. Deer in the headlights. Anybody? Okay, just kidding. The deer got up and ran away. Can you believe it, Clint? I hit that deer, and it got up and ran away. I thought it was dead. There's still a pulse in some people. There's still a pulse in some people that have been sitting dormant that people think you're dead. You've been feeling spiritual dead, spiritually dead for so long. But there's still a heartbeat in there. And if there's a heartbeat in there, God wants to resurrect your soul and give you back to where you belong. And that's in his flock. Kuwaiting on tomorrow. Kuwaiting on somebody else to spark your interest. God says, I am enough. Go back to the manger when you think there's not enough. Go back to the manger. And if, if the wise men are willing to travel from Asia, then you should be enough to shout for joy that I have given myself as a ransom for you. And when you recognize that, it's a game changer. It changed your life. We are chosen for more. I'm ready, Lord, to glorify you. Use me, God. My gifts, 
your glory. Everybody say it. My gifts, your glory. My gifts, your glory. One more time. Yes. Because they came from him to begin with. And if he put them in you, they're meant to glorify him. Because nothing is good except him. And if you want the best that God has for you, then you got to give everything away that he's put in you to give. And he'll keep giving you more. If y'all could stand this morning as we close our Christmas service. There's different mix of people in here. But everybody has the same star to align with. And God is aligning your star right now. He's aligning your star to where it should be right now. Above the manger. Above the promise. The one that has star power. He's aligning your focus right now over your situation. He's aligning. Everybody, everybody take your finger and just point it up like, like, you're, like you're looking at the sky and you're doing constellations with your kids. And if you have kids, and you just point, you say, it's aligning. And watch it align over you as you move closer to God. It's aligning. And now you're in alignment with the manger. You're in a line. And now you have that pure pathway to take your gifts and glorify him. And I'm going to give you this closing thought before we honor with extreme reverence Jesus and sing with our candles. I want to leave you with this thought. The birth of Jesus is so powerful to me because I know what he grew up to do and do on the cross. So when I think of Jesus' birth, I really think of this on the cross. I don't even see the baby. My mind goes right there. It's from so long of thinking through the progression. And this is, this is, this is good. I want to make sure I say this right. This baby grew up to be tortured. You know it said blood came from his forehead? Blood came from his forehead. He wore a crown of thorns. He was scorned and beaten to an unrecognizable figure to where you'd never know it was even that sweet baby. That's not so fun anymore. And that it was so bad that even though he knew what he had to do for us, he prayed in the garden, God, if it not be my will, let me pass this cup to you. God, I don't know if I can do it. And he said, but whatever it is, God, your will be done, and I'll do it. So be it. So he pursued with the mission because he knew it had to be. And when he hung on the cross, you know, you know, if you want to ever endure the cross and get a feel, just go to the gym, grab a pull-up bar, and start sinking. Spread your hands as far as they can go, and you'll quickly find it hard to breathe. Not only did they disfigure him, they put nails through his wrists. This is a common torture technique. They hung him on the cross so that his only way to not suffocate was to push up with his legs. And if the criminal lasted too long, they break the legs so he couldn't stand on his own feet, so he would suffocate and die. But Jesus was prophetically spoke not to have any broken bones. Hallelujah. That God knew the plan from the beginning. And so they didn't touch his legs. So he pushed up a little longer. And when he thirsted, they stuck vinegar in his mouth. That sounds good. 
all this was for me and you. So when I see Christmas morning, I see that. And that's what I want you to remember. Not to be saddened by it, but be recognizing the value in the gift. The value it took to make this gift for you. You couldn't go buy this thing. The best gifts are the ones that money can't buy. And Jesus crafted a gift so spectacular that nothing could imitate or replace that gift. So when you feel unmotivated this week and you want to know how can I be a vessel, just remember the gift. And God will light you up with motivation. He will light you up with revelation. And he will light you up with inspiration because God wants to use you, Lori. He wants to use you. He's got gifts in you. He wants you to touch people. And he wants to use you, Taz. And he wants to use you, Caleb. And he wants to use you, Pam and Dan. And he wants to bring it back into fruition because now we take the place as the body, as the church. If y'all could get your uh, candles. I know real fire would be cool, but probably not a smart idea, right? We do the candles for a few reasons, and we don't have light control here, but the candles signify honor, reverence to the newborn king. And God, we're going to sing this song to you now in attempts to give back, to glorify, and thank you for all you're done. In Jesus' name.